welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So today I wanted to talk about behaviour. Now, I've mentioned this in quite a few of my podcasts up to date and I think I make it very clear that I don't tend to use the word behaviour when we're talking about people with sensory processing difficulties. Now that doesn't mean that people with SPD can have negative behaviours or have behaviours. However, the reason why I don't focus on it is because a lot of the time it's misunderstood as a negative behaviour. And so for people with sensory processing difficulties, we often misunderstand the reason or the purpose behind what they're doing. So I don't tend to use the word behaviour because I tend to refer to the characteristic, the thing that that person is doing in order to regulate. And often that's the behaviour that we're misunderstanding. And so Let's talk about this word. Let's talk about how we can really understand the needs for people with sensory processing difficulties. So some often behaviours, otherwise termed as characteristics, that we might recognise for people with sensory processing difficulties are when we're at home, we might notice repetitive Uh, playing routines we might notice that someone finds it difficult to sit still so they might not sit down to eat or they might be up and about while they're watching tv you might notice that some people chew on things constantly that some people feel things and pull things and rub things between their fingers you might notice that some people squeeze things push things and slam things really firmly with their hands or with their feet or any part of their body you might notice some people climb on things when we're out in the community you might notice that people uh, repeat things or speak really loudly maybe shouting maybe singing you might notice that some people refuse to use certain types of transport so maybe buses they might prefer to walk or they might prefer to wear their hood up when they're walking down the street some personal care items might be things like people finding it difficult to have a shower people finding it difficult to get their hair cut or trim their nails to change their clothing And you can see how all of these things in our everyday lives, if we recognise them as behaviours, can feel very difficult for that person with sensory processing difficulties. So when we're recognising these behaviours or these sensory characteristics, it's therefore really important we understand the reason behind it. So I wanted to focus on today just a couple of those behaviours, those characteristics, and we're going to break them down together. We're going to break them down into the sensory aspects to help you 
learn to be able to do that for yourselves, for your child or for whoever it is that you're supporting. If we can understand the sensory element more accurately, then we will begin to see the true behaviours that that child or adult has as part of their personality, as part of them as a human being. So let's think about haircutting. It's a really common difficulty that some people have. So whether someone's got long hair or short hair, it might feel very different. So sensory wise, we've got the tactile element. So if they've got short hair, it might be feeling the scissors or the um, razor, the shaver on their head, that tactile feeling of it. It might be the tactile feeling of the hair. So when the hair falls, when it falls on their skin, it might be that light touch, which can be incredibly painful or overwhelming for some people. It might be the tactile element of the hair being pulled or tugged as it's being cut. Some people prefer big chunks being pulled. Other people um, find it very, very difficult when one, one hair gets snagged. In a similar reason to why some people might find it difficult to brush or comb their hair. So there's the tactile element. There's also the visual element. So the way that... They then look different or maybe when they're having their hair cut, they're in front of a mirror. And so seeing themselves in front of a mirror can be very difficult, but also seeing the change in how they look, how they appear after their hair is cut may be difficult for that person to understand. Whereas some people prefer to be in front of the mirror to see the changes happening so that they can process that as in real time. So as it's happening, so that then at the end of the haircut, they are already familiar with how they look and how people will recognise them. So there's the tactile, there's the visual, there's the smell element. And this is really important to remember. So if you go to a hairdresser's, that hairdresser's or that barber's will have a smell. That environment will be filled with people. And people have uh, shampoo, shower gel, washing detergents, perfumes, hairspray, all of these extra things to them. But also the environment will have smells. So in a hairdresser's, you will have more smell of shampoo and hairspray. But you may also have smells of cleaning products or air fresheners. And all of these things can then, in a small enclosed environment, be very difficult for that person to manage, so to filter out. So tactile, visual, smell. We've also got the sensory element of sound and this is really, really important. So if someone has longer hair and they have their hair cut with scissors, it might be the way that their hair feels on their ear. Don't forget that we hear through vibration. You can learn more about our senses on our free online training at the moment, Understanding Our Eight Senses, that's free for the whole of April 2020. Um... So the way that the hair feels on their ear may also create sound, but also the cutting of the scissors creates a sound. It's a very unpredictable sound because it happens at different times. Um, it may be that the hair is pulled and then there's a sound, or it might be that the hair is pulled and there's no sound. So there's very little consistency with when to expect the sound to happen. 
In a similar way, some people may use um, hair cutters, so hair trimmers, and they create lots of vibrations. It might run along the scalp, so along the head, and so the sound then can be amplified. It can be more intense than using scissors. Now, some people may prefer clippers because the vibration on their head may also be able to help them to filter out other unnecessary sounds in their environment. So you will know, you will notice if someone finds certain tools like scissors or clippers easier to manage or harder. And that will give you a clue as to the sensory element as well. So if they prefer scissors, yes, you can consider sound, you can consider tactile. The other sensory system I want us to consider is our body awareness. So the way that our body feels, our proprioceptive input, and it's the feedback we get from our joints and our muscles. Now, when we get our hair cut, you might think, oh, well, we're not really using our body in order to understand that. However, it's still the way that we relate to our body and it's still the way that our body then feels after that has happened. So when I've had my hair cut, I might look different in the mirror, but also I may feel different. If I'm sensitive to those changes in my body, then I may notice, I may feel that my head feels lighter because I've had quite a lot of my hair cut off, for example. Now, I know for a lot of people, the thing that they find overwhelming is feeling hair on their skin. And so those light trimming of hairs falling on their skin can almost feel like pins. It can be painful, that light touch, really overwhelming for some people. So when we're thinking about getting our hair cut, it's not so much of a straightforward activity that we may originally think of. Now, for many of us as a child, we would have been exposed to going to the hairdressers quite a few times until we were completely familiar with what we were doing and until we were able to go independently for ourselves. It can change every time, but what are those changes and being prepared for those changes? Are there radios playing in the background? Are there lots of people? Is it a small hairdressers um how bright is it is there lots of mirrors is there sunshine is it by the road is it in a really quiet area all of these things will build up and impact the way that your child or who you're supporting is able to engage or feel okay with getting their hair cut now a way that some people are able to manage this better is by having hairdressers that come to their home so you're already in that safe and secure and familiar environment, your home. However, then the hair cutting is something which is new. And so for that person, it might be that you have to build it up over time. It might not be that that person is able to have their hair cut the first time that that person is there. Because we have to build relationships, we have to build trust. Now you will know for your child or your the person you're supporting which sensory aspects you think might be more in play, might be more important 
for them in relationship to getting their hair cut. So do you think it's more the tactile? Do you think it's more the visual? Do you think it's more the smell or the sound? So try and isolate, try and identify which sensory systems it might be. And that will help you to feel more confident in being able to find ways of supporting their specific sensory needs to be able to get their hair cut. Now, another behaviour that I want to run through, I want us to explore, is this behaviour of being heavy-handed. So it might be grabbing things, it might be squeezing things, it might be breaking things, it might be slamming, it might be stomping their feet around, um, it might be closing doors, but they're always with a big thump. Um, when they're walking, it's always a real heavy foot. Writing, maybe breaking pencil libs, playing with toys, throwing them, breaking things easily. All of these things come under the same sensory elements. And it's really important that we understand that because this, is, this can be a good example of where someone may address a sensory need as a behaviour. And if we address a sensory need as a behaviour, we will notice almost immediately a negative response from that person with sensory processing difficulties. So the ways that we might support something as a behaviour is we may remove that item. So if they're squeezing something and breaking it, we might remove it. We might only give it as a reward so we might say oh once you've done that you can then squeeze that thing um or we might just say stop now when we're using those strategies that's when we're supporting it as a behavior so removing it giving it as a reward or stopping it and that's where we will notice for the person who has a sensory processing difficulty and that item or that activity or whatever it might be is needed to help them to regulate, we'll notice an immediate negative response from that person because their body isn't getting what it needs. Okay, so when we see someone squeezing something or breaking something, we know if we know it's a sensory characteristic, we need to consider their proprioceptive input. So that's the feedback we get from our joints and our muscles. It's the way that our body feels. Now, when they pick something up and hold it, they might not realise how much force and pressure they're using. Their body might require a lot of input in order to recognise it. They might have big difficulties in discriminating, recognising how much force and pressure to use in order to hold that object or in order to throw that object and get it to the certain distance that they want to get it. So that's why when we see people throwing things, we might see them breaking things easily because actually they've used a lot more force and pressure than we know is needed. This can be the same person that when they come up to you, they give you a hug, but they always give you a really tight squeeze. So that big bear hug. So that person that gives you the big bear hug, their body, their proprioceptive input, they need more input in order to recognise it. And so the feedback they're getting from their joints and their muscles has to be more intense. And so that's why we notice door slamming 
it's not on purpose it's because that's the amount of um, joint and muscle pressure that they're using that they're needing in order to do that activity stomping around they're stomping because their body requires that amount of input to feel okay squeezing things climbing on things pushing things all exactly the same reasons so if we consider if we really do acknowledge our proprioceptive input it's really important because a lot of the time that's the sensory system that we might be told we're being too heavy-handed we're being um unfair we're being um nasty maybe because we're using so much of our our body input to do that exercise so you can see how it's so easy to get some of these sensory behaviors these characteristics misunderstood if we try and recognize for our own child or the person that we're supporting the sensory elements for that characteristic for that behavior then like I said, we're going to be better at recognising ways we can support that person. So if you've noticed that the person you're supporting, you don't give certain items to because they break things easily, then give them activities where they're getting that joint and muscle input. So give them hand-squeezing exercises, give them pushing exercises, like little push-ups against the wall, give them pulling exercises, so things like dough and slime and stretchy, um, you know, your exercise bands, they're really great, or fabric like lycra where you can pull it apart. All of those things are going to be great for getting in that feedback from their joints and their muscles. Get them out, get them working, get them doing some exercise, using their joints and their muscles, jumping, pushing. Get them helping you when you go shopping. Can they push the trolley for you? Can they carry the basket for you? Because those are great ways that they can get in that sensory input without needing to do other things. Some other elements that you can consider might be so for getting our haircut think about the environment um if you're thinking about the environment are there ways that you can help to reduce auditory input do they usually wear headphones or avoid sound if so maybe you could try the wax that swimmers put in their ears to stop water from going in their ears that may help to block out some of the sound it may also help to block out some of the sound from the actual trimmers the hair clippers or the scissors other things think about smells is there any way that you can help to regulate smell input if not can you have a way of that person having a smell which they do enjoy they do find comforting near to them so it might be on their clothing it might be in a little smelly pot that you can find on our website and they can just puff it into their nose something which for them they find reassuring and familiar now if we understand this term behaviour in a better way, we will then find it a lot easier to explain to other people as well. If we can explain this to other people better, then we know that more people will have a fairer interpretation and understanding of what sensory processing difficulties are and how we can support people better. If there's any behaviours that you want me to clarify for you, if 
they're relating to sensory processing difficulties, please send me an email. I'll be happy to post a video or a podcast about it if I can. But please do remember, it's very difficult for me to be able to do that if I haven't met your child or person you're supporting. It's really important that we accurately recognise sensory characteristics and we don't just think all behaviours are sensory and all sensory characteristics are behaviours. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.